This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. Joining me this week, three robots of varying size and shape who transform into objects exactly as we know them here on Earth. I'm joined by Danny. Beep, boop, beep, boop, boop. And Brian Murray. I'm a toaster, baby. Today, we have a very special guest on this show, the one and only Kev from the Austin Danger Podcast. Hey, guys. Great to be here. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, perfect. We've all made our version of the noise that comes from the Transformers movie. That makes me so happy. Before uh, we get to things, I want to say thank you to everyone for coming to our Hangout last night on Discord. It was really fun. If you're not part of the Discord, you should definitely check our show notes. Check out the link there. Join that. Come hang out with us and talk things like wrestling and F1 and comic books sometimes. Uh, A lot of Star Wars TV talk. The Ahsoka show has made people go absolutely bonkers on our server, which is very exciting. But we had a really fun uh, Hangout last night. We convinced our new pal Zach to go... uh, to Annapolis, I believe, in Maryland to go meet Tom King this morning. He dropped, he canceled breakfast plans. He did canceled all of his plans today just to go see Tom King, which is very fun. Apparently, it was a successful visit and they got to chat and everything, which is cool. Um, and we spent about an hour and some change talking about D&D and Starfinder and trying to organize potentially some one shots on the Discord server. We'll see if we'll something's going to come out of that. But for folks that are interested, make sure you join our Discord Let's get into the show, though. We have a very special guest here. Kev, before we get into things, before I start asking the legally mandated questions that I have, I think the folks at home need to know why we've kept you behind the Patreon wall on our Spider or our IRCB Movie Club episodes. And now we're finally bringing you out to the regular public feed because you're a very cool guy with a very cool podcast. So tell the folks at home a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so... I am one of the hosts of Austin Danger Podcast, which is a randomly curated movie podcast that's been going on now for about a year and a half or coming up on two years. And what we've done is we've thrown together a giant wheel of movies that all connect to the Austin Powers trilogy. And every week we spin that wheel and we pick one. And the links could be Mike Myers was in it or the guy who drove him to set was was involved (laughs) or the flautist who played on Soul Bossa Nova played on... (laughs) our films just this year alone we've done movies like transformers which we'll talk about we've done terminator 2 judgment day uh, rob marshall's chicago ai artificial intelligence magnolia we just wrapped up the hercule Poirot trilogy by kenneth brana why amazing i'm still trying to figure out why but it's done <laughs> as you're listening to this our haunting in venice episode is out and uh yeah then we're gonna do spooky movies only for the month of october so very exciting times on austin danger podcast is there a particular spooky movie you're looking forward to? Um, the one we're doing next week is was so scary. I wrote a letter to New Line Cinema asking them to pull the TV ads because they were too scary. So that <laughs> one for sure. Also, Friday the 13th is on the wheel. Child's Play is on the wheel. Saw 1, which is wow. a legitimately great, in my opinion, movie. So, yeah. Well, uh, you have maybe one of the funniest, most interesting podcast concepts out there it's why i continue to listen i am admittedly a few episodes behind i'm very excited to get into that trilogy you just mentioned um but kevin very excited to have you on the show for folks that don't know if you haven't heard the episodes or you haven't gone to the secret feed that's on spotify publicly available for everyone to check out um kev was on our episodes where we talked about spider-man into the spider-verse and spider-man what is across the spider-verse i can never remember the name of that movie but um 
still great episodes. You should go check those out. Go subscribe to the Patreon um, because Kev's an amazing guest. And I'm excited to have him here because today we are talking, as I mentioned at the end of last week's episode, we are talking about all of the Transformers movies in one episode. Ugh. I apologize in advance. This is probably going to be one of the longest episodes of IRCB in existence. So we got to get into things. And that is starting with me asking two legally mandated questions. And that is, how have you been? How have comic books been? Kev, I'm going to kick it back to you just because you're, you're, you're the new person on the show. So tell us what you've been up to. Sure. So famously in the Discord, I love comics, but I am unable to follow them week by week for a couple of reasons. Number one, buying physical books is hard because I love my apartment here in New York City. I have a beautiful apartment that is two rooms and none of those rooms are where comics go. So (laughs) physical books are a challenge. So I've, I've resolved to reading on Marvel Unlimited and DC Universe Infinite. Um, and then mm-hmm. mooching off of friends who buy digital copies. So case in point, the first book I want to talk about, uh, my favorite writer is Jonathan Hickman, easily, and Ultimate Invasion has got me back in. It has hooked me into catching up on everything I can. I love oh, this series. Has Is anybody here reading this and are caught up? Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. I am in the same boat as you in that anytime Hickman puts out a book like this, it's the top of my pile. Like it's, it's literally the first thing I have to read because I can't get spoiled. I just need to know what's happening. Sure. Sure. So it's not a spoiler to say if, if you are not familiar with this series, they've already announced that coming out of this mini series, which, you know, we'll talk about the pricing of it in a moment, but like at the end of it, there will be a new ultimate universe beginning with an ultimate Spider-Man ongoing written by Jonathan Hickman, which is super exciting. But if you're, if you're not familiar, basically there's a character called the maker who is the evil Reed Richards from the ultimate universe who has been causing trouble in Donny Cates venom and a bunch of other books. And it's all been building up to this idea of he is this, this character is going into universe 6160 which is of his own design. And he is changing things so that he's creating a universe in his own image. And so (laughs) we have characters like Howard Stark, who is now relevant of like, there are, there are all sorts of twists and turns and variations. And, um, I just learned that Kate's was supposed to write this series, which is interesting, but I'm so happy that, um, if it couldn't be him, that Mm -hmm. it is the man who, um, gives us all those great graphs and charts <laughs> and and circular diagrams. I guess that's also a graph. I don't know. Yes, exactly. And it's light. It's light on the text I've found in right. two and three, right. especially what's, what's really funny about this series is that it feels very Hickman esque, right? It feels very secret wars. It feels very yes. like secret warriors um, in a lot of ways, but it also really, really, really channels what I feel like Mark Millar did so well with the original ultimates in that it's big, bombastic, dumb superhero bullshit done in like this, like in a way that it's like shoving candy bars down your throat because you haven't eaten anything in 24 hours, right? Like it's it, it somehow works. And I'm, I'm really excited to see how this concludes. Um, issue four is not out yet, right? It's it's coming out very soon. soon. It's out Wednesday. Soon. It's yeah, out on right? Wednesday. Okay. Okay. This week or the next um, week, one of the two. Yeah. Yeah, it's coming out very soon, regardless. Um, very excited to see how he wraps this up to basically act as the springboard for whatever the future ultimate line is going to be. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 very I've been very excited following you diving back into this as well as a reader just diving into this, like really having given up on a lot of the ultimate universe years and years ago. Like Ultimatum, you've just you ruined everything for me. So um yeah, totally feeling this. But 
Danny, what about you? I'm going to jump over to you. How have you been? How have comic books been? Well, Mike, in between watching Transformers movies and uh, reading comics and making 10 to 20 videos a day. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I wasn't going to say anything, Danny, but uh, yeah, it feels like you have been literally in front of your camera almost 24-7 like those two teen couple people that anyways, yeah. that's a weird TikTok drama thing. You've been, yeah, you've been making a weird TikTok videos. drama. That's the other thing I'm doing. Watching, I'm rewatching Naruto on TikTok. <laughs> so the best... <laughs> The best way to consume Naruto Shippuden is on three-minute increments on TikTok because you can Hell skip yeah. around all the things you don't want anyways. Um, but so just to touch on Ultimate Invasion, I'm also very excited. I didn't read much of the Ultimate Universe. And even I can tell, like, Hickman is not subtle when he's doing, like, a callback to something. Mm-hmm. Because even I recognize a callback to something I haven't even read. Like, that's how not subtle this book is. Uh, so I'm very excited for that. But what I'm also very excited for that I read this week is uh, we got a new Wonder Woman book, Wonder Woman number one from DC Comics, uh, written by Tom King with art by Daniel Sampierre, colors by Tom Murray, and letters by Clayton Cowles. Uh, the synopsis for this one is insane. Like, I didn't, I didn't read the synopsis before going into the book, and I read it once afterwards. I was like, okay, yeah, this all kind of checked out. So after a mysterious Amazonian is accused of mass murder, Congress passes the Amazon Safety Act barring all Amazons from U.S. soil. To carry out their plan, the government tasks a new force called the Amazon Extradition Entity, a.k.a. Axe, to remove anyone who does not comply. Um, okay. I didn't know that's Danny, what this book... Is this the real plot? Are you joking? This is it. That's this, amazing. If you, like, if you like Enemy of the State, that's what's happening to Wonder Woman right now. So, yeah. This feels it, like a... This feels like Tom King, who lives in like the Washington D.C. area, yeah. just can't get away from like the U.S. government bullshit. Like well, I love Tom King, I love the work that he's done and some of the stuff that he's written, but this to me feels like some weird like some some senator got in his ear and was like, "Listen, Mr. King, we need you to test out some stuff in these very murky waters called comic books. What happens if?" And I feel like it's getting filtered into this. I'm not going to say the word psyop, but I'm just saying. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're, we're not going to get political, but the, the most unbelievable thing is that Congress would pass a neck so quickly um, yeah. in this book. Um, but you know, Josh Hawley would hold the thing up for twenty may- twenty years, right? <laughs> uh daniel sampier's art is amazing very clean lines very traditional comic book style but i don't mind because it's so good like i like when artists experiment but if you're not going to experiment then just give me like some of the cleanest work you can find yeah um and look king is already planting a lot of seeds for if anybody read the wonder woman 800 uh story that he did like all that's already in the background but you can tell this arc is going to be something way different than I've ever read in Wonder Woman. Hmm. Granted, I haven't read all the stuff. Um, I do feel this is going to be a bit divisive of a run. But I mean, I think most Wonder Woman runs are uh, just by nature <laughs> of the character. Sure. Uh, so, but I recommend it. I, I obviously picked up a bunch of variants for it because DC loves printing out really cool stuff. They made a foil one. Art Germ did one. Uh, and then, of course, a blank variant, so I can get my own very Wonder Woman, my very own Wonder Woman drawn eventually when I go to convention, right? right? So maybe by Tom King. I've seen yeah. his Batman covers; yeah. they're beautiful. I, <laughs> I love Tom King. I don't know if I would waste a blank cover on his yeah. sketch. Sure, uh, sure. Unless I had a spare one. So but maybe yeah, the that's neatest a, thing yeah, I've that, ever heard Danny say. It's a, 
<laughs> Thank you, Brian. Sometimes uh, I have moments of clarity in between all the other nonsense. <laughs> Well, you know, this book to me sounds good. I've I've heard a lot of really positive things um, from from folks. Danny, it sounds like you really dug this book. Our Wonder Woman expert on the Discord server, our good pal Hannah, is screaming so good, which to me says like I need to check this book out because if if Hannah's giving it a thumbs up, who's it? Like I said, Wonder Woman expert. I I definitely got to check it. So um, that sounds fun. I mean, why am I not just automatically trying new Tom King number ones at this point? But that's a that's a whole other question. Brian, though, gotta know. How have you been? How have comic books been? Let's jump over to you. I've been, I've certainly been. Um, right. I, I forgot to do all my prep for this episode. So instead of watching a Transformers a day for the last week, I tried to watch all of the Transformers between Friday and now. <laughs> oh my God. Today's Sunday for, for anyone yeah. at home. So I, I hear that transforming noise every time I close my eyes. <laughs> Uh, I did find a little bit of time to read comics. I, I went back and read Starfinder number two, which was mm-hmm. my pick for like what's what I'm reading next a while back. Uh, this is written by James Sutter with art by Edu Mena. Um, it still feels much like Starfinder number one. It very much feels like a Starfinder game, which I really enjoy. In this issue, our, our intrepid space heroes uh, arrive at the planet they're looking for and discover a very Star Wars-y setup where you've got like this thick fog bank and there's a species that lives below the clouds and a species that lives above the clouds. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, drama, of course, between those two species. Of course. They, they wind up finding what is essentially an angel of the machine god has taken up <laughs> residence here. Yeah. And, and yeah, they, uh, they are put into a fight to the death against a dragon man who they offended in the last issue okay as you said this this tracks with starfinder gameplay so totally fallen list totally fallen list so but you're liking the series so far i mean like obviously you and i we played quite a bit of starfinder together um but the series is is working for you beyond just that first issue hook yeah i, I think that like anybody who has played starfinder or is a fan of the the game will get mm-hmm. more out of this book but i do think that Anyone who likes like a good sci-fi romp could still pick up this book and enjoy it, even if you've never heard of Starfinder. That's exciting. That's exciting. I, w- I um, was talking to my buddy Josh because he reads the Pathfinder comic books, and right. I told them like what they should do is if you read the comics for whatever game you're playing, that should have some kind of in-game consequence. Like you're maybe you get like a little power up or a boost or something in game. <laughs> like I, if they were smart enough, because there's games that do. That. If you play Munchkin, like munchkin does that mm-hmm. like if you just wash your hands or something like you'll get like a little boost and there's a card for it like they should do that <laughs> with starfinder or pathfinder or all these dnd uh comics that you can buy to get people to buy them more often they do have there there is starfinder game content that you can only get in the back of these comics what, like, like I, I have issue number one in front of me right now there is a whole playable species that is like created in the back of this uh, it, it appears to be like a, a take on the the Kitsune from uh, from Pathfinder. That's so cool. <laughs> oh. I mean, like, I I appreciate the the dedication to like fi- like distributing lore in a very interesting way that is going to make people in ten years go, "Why the fuck was it just in this one comic book that's no longer being printed and the digital files were lost?" I love that. Yeah, 
Uh, it takes me back to my my D and D three point five days of like trying to hunt down a feat that was in one issue of Dragon Magazine fourteen years ago. Exactly, exactly. Um, but cool. I'm I'm glad to hear the comic is still is still fun. Um, but let me talk about a book that I read. Um, I, I guess I, as I said, I played a lot of Baldur's Gate. Uh, I think I and uh, or I was saying this before. I don't remember. Time is is a flat circle that I can't comprehend. And uh, yeah, so I've been playing Baldur's Gate since it finally released on the Mac. Um, for like the last 48 hours, which is fun. Um, as I said in the last episode of the show, I uh, <laughs> I did go out and play Pokemon again because there was a community day. So, you know, got my good 23 shinies, which I'm feeling very good about. Um, did collect a perfect IV Pokemon for anyone at home that cares. Um, so doing really well, feeling pretty good. Got a shiny legendary as part of a random raid I got invited to. Guys, I'm having a great weekend. So uh, I did read some comics, though. I did read a book called Migrate. This is by Shan Murphy. Uh, it's a really little comic, just like a, a book that I found on itch.io. Uh, I've been following Shan's work on and off, like through Twitter over for like five, six, seven years, just like every little book that that they put out. Um, I've tried to pick up in some fashion and uh, I grabbed this as part of a bundle of books that they were doing to help promote um, some charity fundraising. I can't remember the name of. Um, but yeah, this is a cute little book about like two birds that are, you know, long distance partners because one of them migrates every year. Um, and you know, there's this idea of how long distance relationships can be very, very hard, especially if you are a, like a bird that doesn't migrate and the, your partner is someone that does migrate. And so there's this question of like, do I just move to go with them? Um, and we can stay down South forever, uh, together, or do I just continue this relationship of, of, uh, you know, just seeing them half the year. Um, it's, it's a really nice little book. Um, and I've kind of given the whole story away, but like, nonetheless, it's a very nice read. Like it's very short. You can get it for a, for name your own price. I suggest throwing Shan a couple bucks. Um, but yeah, this is a fun, cute little book. And, uh, yeah, I love this kind of stuff. Every once in a while, you just crack open a PDF and you kind of like makes your heart get a little warmer or break in half a little bit. Um, but yeah, this book is, is very nice. So, yeah, I'm going to kick things back over to Kev, though. Um, have you read anything else, I guess, before we move into the top of our pile? Yeah, I want to very quickly give a One Piece update, because as I very loudly said like six months ago in Discord, I was going to mm -hmm. try to get caught up on One Piece this year. And as always, with big promises I make on the Internet, that hasn't really happened. Mm -hmm. um, I'm on Chapter 153 two or three i'm still in the alabasta storyline it's just okay. reached kind of a climax where this is my big issue with with oda's art um luffy did some cool looking stuff that i barely could make out so i'm reading this book on the m2 ipad pro this is yeah. like the i'm not bragging this is just the truth i got this as a gift this is the biggest and best screen I could be reading comics on in the palm mm -hmm. of my hand, right? Some of this gum gum stuff, I can't tell what happens at all. I think somebody stepped on somebody's hand and yep. I spent five minutes like panning and zooming and trying to get my head around it. So sometimes the action is a little bit hard to make out on the app. Maybe that's just me. I don't know. No, 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 no. <laughs> Kev, let me be completely clear. I read all of One Piece, and there are definitely multiple moments of action where I said, that's just a series of lines, and I can't recognize real shapes in there. Um, but it feels like it connects to the next panel or next page. So I'm just going to assume that by the context of what happens later, that that action is a result of the con of what happened later. That's kind yeah. of how I viewed a lot of One Piece um, in the first couple hundred chapters. 
So that's a concern. I hope that yeah. cleans up a little bit, but I will say I am really enjoying it. And I think the thing I love the most is how Oda can find new angles to pluck the same heartstrings over and over and over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. um, you are my friend. We're a found family. I respect you, teacher. I made a promise to you and I'm going to keep it all pretty much in circles in new, interesting ways with new, interesting characters. And it's only mm -hmm. getting better and better. And I'm having a great time. Um, I have 938 chapters left as of today. Uh, and that number is just climbing and climbing. Will I mm -hmm. ever get caught up? I'm confident that I will be caught up for the last chapter. When that is, we'll never know. My son will read it to me from my right. deathbed <laughs> at this point. Well, how about this? Maybe you'll be caught up by the time they finish the TV series. Yes. It, with the supposed planned six seasons and 10 seasons total uh, in very heavy quotes here. But, you know, it's funny that you mentioned this idea of like Oda constantly hitting on the same notes over and over. If you watch the show, if you do the thing that Netflix wants you to do, which is binge the live action TV show. At this point, by the end of the series or end of the season, I was like, OK, I get it. You all have dreams and you're trying to accomplish them. That's it, because it, it's repeated about five to six times every single episode. So uh, maybe that's just the thing of the, of the manga that I missed. Um, but I feel like it's a little bit more spread out. But that's probably because there's just more padding in the in the manga in general. So. Oh, it definitely is. But it's a it's a feature, not a bug, I'll say. Like, right. I, I right. really enjoy that. It, it's funny that you, meant, you mentioned the idea of your son reading it to you on your deathbed. Because I was having dinner with my dad last week. And there's a lull in the conversation, and this 72-year-old man goes, so have you heard of One Piece? <laughs> wow. And I had to look at him and be like, how have you heard about One Piece? <laughs> and it turns out that he, he watched the first episode of the Netflix show. So Did he, did he like it? Uh, he was confused. Okay, sure. Okay. But at this point, my father has seen more One Piece content than I have. So <laughs> that's just a weird dynamic we have now. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, <laughs> Danny, what else have you been reading? Well, let me give my unannounced One Piece update, because I also said I was going to read it at the beginning of the year. Sure. I read one volume and I stopped. Um, sorry. Well, uh, but I love the live action show, so I'm a One Piece fan regardless. Uh, yeah. It's just so much easier to consume in eight episodes of TV. Uh, and I think it covered, like, I don't know, six volumes from what I'm, what I'm told, what I did the research on. Um, yeah, just about. And now I just get little bits of it on TikTok, like the anime. So I, I, that's I, that's how I like my con content now. Three minutes at a time with no context before or after. Uh, if it's good enough, I'll go hunt down the next part. <laughs> Speaking of the next part, uh, I'm gonna let me give you another update. This is the God hold of on, War update. I got to completely interrupt you because yeah. Paul asked a question in the chat that I feel like I have to address, which is, what's One Piece? <laughs> And, you know, don't worry um, about it. <laughs> yeah, I think we'll talk about that uh, in the post show. How about that? Another Patreon perk. We've got a post credit show. I think we'll talk to Paul about that there. But go ahead, Danny. Sorry to interrupt you. In the meanwhile, search your heart, Polly. See if you can find the answer. Another update. We have the Gotham War update because that's also happening over at DC Comics. Today mm -hmm. is all DC all the time for me. Sure. Uh, so I read Catwoman Today. 57. Yeah. Catwoman 57. Uh, this is part three of the Gotham War, written by Tinny Howard with art by Nico Leon, colors by Veronica Gandini, letters by Lucas Gattoni. Um, for those that don't know, at this moment, Batman is poor. Well, poor in quotes, not like poor like everyone else is poor. Um, 
<laughs> Batman <laughs> has uh, slept for the past eight months. So go see Night Terrors for that. Okay. Uh, and in the meanwhile, Catwoman solved violent crime in Gotham. Well, he, well, he was away. So okay. uh, Batman doesn't like this because the way she did that is like, oh, I'm just going to train everyone and give them jobs as nonviolent criminals. So there's still crime. It's just nonviolent crime. And Batman's like, not about that. He's like, any crime is bad crime. So I'm going to stop it regardless. And uh, yeah, Batman is wrong on this one. Like somebody just needs to <laughs> give him a hug and tell him, are you OK, bro? Like, like you're not doing very well. Uh, so this story is kind of helmed by b- both Chip and Tinny Howard. So it, it's really fun. Okay. It's going out through other books. The Bat family is kind of split on like, well, except for Damien. Damien's also on the same side of Bruce because he's he's the same when it comes to crime. No criminal right. uh, should he be He just allowed, wants to hurt so. people. I'll say Damien yeah. wants the violent crime back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think my favorite part of this is that uh, Jason Todd, just like he really loves getting on Bruce's nerves. So he immediately is like, yep, I'm with you, Catwoman. Let's do this. Let's stop crime this way. <laughs> uh, so it's a really fun story. Uh, if you're not reading weekly, I would say wait till it's collected because this goes over like there's like a one shot, a Batman book, a Catwoman book. Then there's another one shot. So it's going to be hard to follow if you just walk into the store and you're like, huh, where, where do I read this? I, again, we're going to talk about this in the break, but I don't understand the need for the big two to break up stories like this uh, to the point of it's again, like you said, it's going to be confusing to read. Right. It's a whole other conversation. So if you have questions, yeah. put them in the discord. I'll tell you how to read it until it's collected. That's true. Danny um, is a great resource for this kind of stuff. Yeah, we have plenty of Batman enthusiasts in, in the discord. That's so uh, we're, we're up for the call. So, yeah, but that's that's about it on that one. Before we go to the top four pile, let me talk about one more book uh, that I read, and that is Sakamoto Days, chapters 1 through 15. This is by Yuto Suzuki. Um, for those of you that don't know, Taro Sakamoto used to be an unrivaled hitman, earning legendary status in the underworld. But one day, the unthinkable happened. Sakamoto fell in love. He started dating, retired, got married, and had a kid growing overweight as a result. Though now working as a humble convenience store owner, the world of hitmen still follows him. Sakamoto, along with Shin, a young man in, with telepathy and an employee at his small store, will protect his humble life and family or die trying. Um, this is the dumbest comic book I've read in a very long time, and I absolutely love it. Uh, from the start, the book is it's kind of slow. Um, it kind of falls into that new series in Shonen Jump slump of like one-off chapter, chapters to establish some characters with a lot of really just typically like or stereotypical just like manga gags and stuff but this is a gag manga so they're kind of just doubling down on what i think they know sells in terms of like making people laugh um the fat jokes are not really fat jokes so much as this guy has a lot of extra skin so we're going to use it comedically um which is both weird and funny at the same time um but it does kind of remind me uh, I, I think by the time i got to like chapter eight nine and ten um the story really did start to pick up we got some established lore uh of of this hitman assassin world um which is over the top and stupid very much like a one punch man where it decides to give you some story that's very serious and then immediately breaks all the tension with like a really dumb one-line joke um so i appreciate that um but yeah, this is a it's kind of fun. Like the art in this book is very goofy in that it's it feels like it's inspired by Sailor Moon and with this like modern twist on like a retro style of manga. Um, it compared to something like 
like a more I want to say modern book like a Jujutsu Kaisen or Kaiju number eight where everything is like very clean lines with very like defined features even one punch man is is kind of in this in the same vein this book feels very old style in just the way that it's laid out and the way that some of the characters faces are drawn um they've got the big shiny eyes and like these little tiny mouths and tapered chins with the exception of taro sakamoto who has just this big round pill like head um but yeah it's a it's a funny book um the art's good don't get me wrong it's just kind of funny um and uh yeah i don't know if you're looking for a good gag manga you could do worse however i do think that way of the house husband is a funnier manga so if you're going to compare the two just go pick up way of the house husband because it's funny from page one unrelated though i did hear that things the jujitsu kaisen are getting fucking insane because of the latest chapter so if anyone knows about what's going on with that drama i am not caught up i hate that manga it sucks um it ruined itself and i don't know why um and i haven't even gotten to the dramatic chapter so like i don't know um anyways go ahead danny sorry i was gonna say careful spoilers for sure with the uh, jjk yeah uh, yeah, yeah. But i'll leave it there if you ever watched the john wick movies and thought why aren't these funny in a comedy then you want to read sakamoto days because that's yes. exactly like each as each movie gets more ridiculous but also builds the world sakamoto days also as the chapters go by they also just kind of build this like criminal underground and they like there's a lot of action, but like it's also just the gag of it. So yeah, that's yes. that's the best way I can pitch it. And I know we kind of hate pitching with like other things, but I know not everyone is like, I don't know, Sakamoto this doesn't sound like anything to me. So yeah, it's I think that the John Wick comparison is valid, right? I think that Sakamoto Days has a little bit more heart and soul to it because there are there is like this loving family kind of at the center of this book that the book definitely 1000% revolves around um which is very funny and allows for a lot of the goofier moments um but yeah it does have that same feel of like there's clearly a very specific assassin world that that sakamoto used to work in and we are slowly but surely getting pieces of that as the series goes on so first 15 chapters overall i like it i definitely want to keep reading it and i think there's only like a hundred and some chapters out there so hopefully i'll be able to finish this by the end of the year um and then maybe i'll go and hate read jujitsu kaisen before the entire world tears it apart or at least my tiktok algorithm does but um let's uh Let's move on uh, before I start saying too many weird things um, beyond already what I've said and talk about books that are on the top of our pile, comics that are new or old or something that you're just trying to read off of your shelf. Let me kick things over to Brian. What is on the top of your pile? Or actually, before I get into that, I'm sorry. Let me shout out some folks that are hanging out with us on Discord because I don't mean to forget you. We've got some people that are hanging out with us and they're very cool. Uh, and they are reading. Uh, Hugh is reading blade number three matt is reading gene gray number two ck is reading the ex-wives of frankenstein and hannah is reading craven's last hunt um so thanks for hanging out with us today but brian let's jump over to you it's interesting i, I don't i don't mean to steal from you Hugh, but my pick is also blade number three i did not know that there was a new blade series coming out until i was like getting prepped for this episode mm. and so i guess blade number one is probably the top of my pile but yeah uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I, I love a good vampire story and I haven't read any blade before. Uh, I've, I've meant to read blade and I've checked out blade from the library, but I've never actually read it. So, <laughs> so who knows? Maybe this will be the thing that finally turns me into a blade fan. Well, and this is written by Brian Hill, who is in my opinion, awesome. Like I, I've loved everything that I've picked up from him. So I think you'll probably have a good time. And Casa Grande is art. Like if you read that Black Widow book that won an Eisner, like 
It's oh. beautiful stuff. Yeah, the one with Kelly Thompson. So yeah, yeah I, I knew that name was familiar. Yeah, you're in for some good-looking vampire action at least, Brian. So. <laughs> Fantastic. I grew up on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, so good-looking vampires is it's kind of my thing. <laughs> well, um, let us know how it is, Brian, once you get a, your, a hold of it. Uh, but Kev, what's on the top of your pile this week? Yeah, so my DC Universe Infinite trial is running out, so I decided to finally talk about all DC and talking about hard to follow. Um, I'm trying to get caught up on the stuff that I missed in the Infinite Frontier era as I'm trying mm. to come on to the books again with Dawn of DC. And I'm starting with the War World saga, which okay. it's the, uh, the Philip Kennedy Johnson action comics run from 2021 through, I believe, late last year, where Superman is banished to War World under Mongol. And it's this very pulpy story. I've only just started it. You don't mm -hmm. really need to read the prelude stories, I don't think. Danny, could you confirm? No, you're good going into this by itself, yeah. Yeah, but even so, I mean, I'm just going to read some of this. It's three issues of Superman, then two issues of Superman and action comics back to back, then two issues of Superman. But then it's all action comics all the way down, so that's good news. And DC Universe Infinite did a great job of laying all that out. So I'm excited nice. to jump back in, and I'm open to hear any and all Infinite Frontier era recommendations as well. I know the Chip Zdarsky run of Batman that's continuing, as well as Detective Comics is on that list, and I'm open mm -hmm. to hear all... All recommendations as I work my way through. Yeah, so please come find Kev on the Discord and let him know what you think. Um, I guess let me talk about a book that I'm reading next, and that is Newburn number 11. This is by Chip Zdarsky with art by Jacob Phillips with backups by David Brothers and Nick Tragata. Uh, I really just can't get enough of this book. For those of you that don't necessarily know, um, Newburn is a story about a fixer. He's a guy who does the jobs for the mob to make sure or for various the mobs in New York City to make sure that they kind of stay cool with each other. So if they need a problem solved, um, he's the person to do it, like solving a murder of one mafia's. I don't know, henchman who was potentially killed by another mafia's henchman. He tries to figure out squash the beef. Um, he takes on a new protege and she's kind of learning the books or learning the ropes and figuring out like how he does things. But right now in the series, we're in the middle of one of those prestige Sopranos, Breaking Bad, Mad Men moments where the lead character is doing something mysterious uh, despite us all having a grip on the world and where this story takes place and how this character works, he's doing something strange and maybe out of character. And we're getting the perspective of what's happening through his protege, Emily, uh, where she kind of says, can I trust this guy? Is he doing something that could potentially harm me, harm himself? Um, and I just... Like, I love those types of moments in TV, and I feel like Zadarsky is nailing that vibe in this comic book by creating this kind of mystery within Newburn to say, what exactly is he trying to accomplish with the almost erratic choices he's making in the series? I love this book. Jacob Phillips is top notch here. I know we've been talking a lot about Enfield Gang Massacre, another top tier book that he's doing, but I feel like if you want that noirish feel, he's definitely kicking ass with Newburn. Um and yeah, I just I love the way that Zadarsky paces this series. Yeah, this book rules. I can't help but just sing its praises nonstop. Um so, yeah. I uh really want everybody to read this. And one more thing, I guess, Danny, before I pass this over to you, um, so you can give your top of your pile. Uh, there is a quick list of very insane comic books that are coming out this week that I saw in League of Comic Geeks. Um, one of them is Fuck a Duck number two. 
Another one is Millennials, You Are Special, number one. And Poontang, number one, is also coming out. Um, now, Fuck a Duck and Poontang seem to be books that are kind of like comics with an X, you know, kind of that like underground indie publishing. They're, they're for mature readers, you know, people experimenting with some stuff. Millennials, You Are Special, number one, definitely feels like a very hard conservative leaning book that's trying to be like owning the libs so um don't pick up any of these books as far as i'm concerned but just had to throw that out there because i can't believe that uh sometimes comics like this are getting published and they're being listed on league of comic geeks of all places anyways danny what's on the top of your pile well mike before we take a break and i go get my avocado toast uh let me tell you about (laughs) what i'm reading next week now, I may not be able to buy a house, but I will be able to pick up the Flash number one from DC Comics. <laughs> this is written by Cy Spirit with art by Mike, Mike, Mike Diodata Jr., colors by Trish Mulville, and letters by Asan Otsmane Elhau. Uh, in this one, so this book follows Wally, which is already a plus for me. I love Wally. He's my favorite Flash. Um, I like all the Flashes, but Wally's just my favorite. So a Wally West has never been quicker and more fulfilled, more heroic, his loving family all around him. And yet something is off, very off, because Cy Perry is writing this book. Uh, <laughs> his evolving understanding of his powers in Wally uh, to the opens to new avenues of sci-fi adventures and attuned his senses to strange new ideas. Uh, there's a lot more to this synopsis, but I'm just going to say, I want weird Flash comics where I don't know what's happening, but as long as his family's around too, like, that's it. Mm-hmm. I want the Flash family. I want weird stuff happening. I think Cy Spirit can deliver. Uh, so I'm very excited to check this number one issue. The cover is super sick. And as I mentioned, it's a Wally West book. So I got to at least check it out. Hey, do you know if Diodato Jr. is going to continue on this book long term? Or is it probably like for the first five issues? Mm, I'm hoping it's the first arc only. I don't know. Okay. Like, yeah, he's usually super busy doing like only AWA book. So maybe this is a one. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> Well, and like I know his art style is like is a lot right um but the fact that you said cy spurrier is on this i might have to check this out this might be a dc infinite universe wait for me but like i usually don't pick up the flash and i may be picking up the flash just because cy spurrier is on this so thanks for bringing this to my attention um but yeah we're gonna take a quick break here we're all gonna take a couple deep breaths and then uh, when we come back we're gonna be talking about all of the transformers movies um so full spoilers ahead but uh I know we've got a lot in store, so we'll be back in just a minute. For our show this week, as I said, we are talking about the Transformers movie franchise. That's all seven movies. That's Transformers 2007, Transformers Revenge of the Fall in 2009, Transformers Dark of the Moon 2011, Transformers Age of Extinction in 2014, Transformers The Last Night 2017, Bumblebee 2019, and Transformers Rise of the Beasts from this year, 2023. There's a lot of movie. It was 17 hours-ish I clocked in. Um, I gave this idea out to the folks here on the show today um, a couple months ago. I think it was like two months ago. I said Transformers. I think I listened to an episode of a podcast. Kevin might have even been your podcast where you guys were talking about Transformers. And I said, we got to do this. There's a new comic book series coming out. We're going to talk about Transformers movies and then we're going to talk about comics. So here we are. We're here to talk about Transformers. I guess the first thing I want to do today is I kind of want to talk to the three of you, get your histories, your overall initial thoughts about this franchise. So I guess 
Kev, let's start with you. What's your history with the Transformers movies? And based on everything that you've been put through over the past couple of weeks in preparation for the show, where are you at with the Transformers movie franchise? You know, it's funny. The Transformers series is kind of baked into my movie going DNA. I was okay. there opening night with my friends for the first one. And I think, I, I, you know, it's funny is in thinking about it and revisiting for Austin Pod, which we did earlier this year, and in thinking about it since then in preparation for the show, I'm pretty sure that 75% of my warm feelings about this franchise are because of the Cloverfield teaser that played before the movie on opening night. Because <laughs> I, I remember us walking out and our first reactions were, wow, I can't believe they're going to do Godzilla. Yeah, <laughs> uh, which is what everybody thought. If you if you don't remember before Transformers, Paramount had a teaser for a movie that ended up being Cloverfield. It was like this found footage thing. It was a big surprise. And they didn't say the name of the movie. They just said like 11708, which was the release date of Cloverfield. Right. So maybe I'm just confused. But <laughs> then I would go on to I saw Revenge of the Fallen in IMAX, which was a mistake. And then Dark of the Moon, I was working at the movies and I saw it two or three times. I think that one's pretty good. And then I fell off and then caught up over the pandemic. And here I am. Yeah. Rise of the Beasts, of course, okay. I saw this year. And here I am. Okay. Well, that's that's a very different journey than than my own. But I'm <laughs> before I start to unpack that, I guess I want to jump over to Danny Danny, what's your what's your history with the Transformer series? Um, what's your overall thoughts? I guess how did you how did you feel after the prep for this show? Well, Mike, uh, as a citizen of Unicron, I feel stronger now that I've seen all these films. <laughs> um, I think much like Kev, and I, I think we're all around the same age groups. Like these movies were coming out, we were like, oh, okay, cool, let's go. Like just going to the movies was fun at the time. Like. No matter what was, if the movie was good on the screen, that was a plus. But like the fact yeah. that you get to go out with your friends and go to the movies unsupervised, like that was already a win. Uh, for a long time, I had a Mandela effect where I thought I went to watch Cloverfield for the Transformers trailer. Uh, but it, <laughs> but recently, when I think it was when uh, when you guys did the episode, Kev, it was like, wait a minute, it was backwards. I got Cloverfield in the Transformers film. Anyways, um, th we'll save that for the Cloverfield episode. Sure. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, overall revisiting these, I think I like them less and less the, the more I watched until the <laughs> reboot, because I never even saw the last night. The la This is my first watch of the last night for this podcast. Mm -hmm. um, and we'll get into all the details, but like, I just can't believe like my most surprising thing was like, who wasn't in these movies eventually? Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> They got everyone, even Linkin Park. So <laughs> very excited especially to get into Lincoln it. Park. Yeah, especially Linkin Park. Yeah. Until I guess I guess they stopped putting out albums, and I was like, oh, I guess I'll just use Imagine Dragons for this one, and then they took right. over from them. So Gen Z's Linkin Park. I get it. Yeah, um, Brian. Then I guess with you, what's your what's your history? <laughs> How are you feeling? I mean, with, with these movies, at least my history is almost exactly like yours, because I'm pretty sure that we went and saw two and three, like with our group of college friends. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, I was I was 18 when the first one came out. So I was like right in that demo pocket. Right. I definitely like have not watched these in a solid decade. The last one that I watched before this weekend from hell was uh 
was number four, I think. And I don't think I finished it because I definitely got to the end of my rewatch and was like, did I know there were dinosaurs in this? Like I knew there were dinosaurs on the, <laughs> on the poster, but right. You missed the best part of that movie. <laughs> well, well uh, yeah, well, well We'll, we'll get to it. Well, maybe, maybe best part. Okay. Um, let me just go over my history with these movies. Um, because yeah, I don't remember seeing Transformers one in theaters. I'm pretty sure this was like a I pirated it or something like that. 2007 ish sounds about right for me. Um, yeah, I think with Brian, I def- I think I went to the movie theater with. I have no vivid memories of these movies. We, I we went to the midnight premiere for two because I remember going with you and me and uh, Kyle and jared i think okay see yeah this is this is blanked out like this is how not impactful the second movie is even right you forgot to protect yourself (laughs) even (laughs) even right now i can't tell you the plot of revenge of the fallen right now i just i'm gonna just say that um anyways but yeah three i think three was the last one that i had seen so age of extinction the last night bumblebee rise of the beast were all brand new watches for me this time around um which means that i was experiencing a lot over the last month and a half. I was trying to watch one of these a week. Um, and I did pretty well with that up until uh, up to the end. So yeah, um, I'm feeling very torn. I'm feeling very confident about how I feel about our ending of this episode. Today, we're going to make sure that we all rank our picks or rank rank everything that we've, we've seen so we can talk about it. But um, yeah, there's definitely a lot to unpack here so i don't necessarily want to go through every movie by movie but obviously we have to talk about some of the big things and i think that is the lineup of of main stage actors in these movies right like the voice of of optimus prime i believe was consistent throughout the series but you know changing the main focus of characters between these movies going from um shia labeouf to marky mark to uh Anthony Ramos in the main series and then Bumblebee kind of living in this alternate universe um, starring um, Edge of Seventeen's Haley Steinfeld. Haley Steinfeld. Thank you. I wanted to say Katie Holmes and that was definitely wrong. So thank you. (laughs) Um, Totally different vibe. I think if that was Katie Holmes. But anyway, so I'm curious, what were your what were your thoughts as like the you know, the first trilogy has this Shia LaBeouf with Megan Fox getting dropped out from being, if I'm not mistaken, fired from the series. Um, And then we move over to Marky Mark and then we've got these other characters. So I guess like, what do you guys think? Kev, let's start with you. What were your overall thoughts here? Yeah, the lore is already so disorienting. I don't even know what, because for years I was like, oh, but Transformers 1 is really good. And I'll give you anything else. You could say anything else about the series, but the first one. And then I came back to it and it's like, the lore is not great. I'm not crazy Mm -hmm. about these human characters to begin with. By the time we're at the last night, I'm like, who even is this? Right? I don't think they sell the transition at all. And it's clear that no matter how much they talked about the writer's room, because before the last night, if you remember, they were like, oh, no, it's cool, man. We have a writer's room now of mm. of all your least favorite Hollywood screenwriters. <laughs> <laughs> it really was a murderer's row of like Batman and Robin, Amazing Spider-Man 2, Star Trek Into Darkness. It's like all these movies that people <laughs> don't like. We got them in a room. They'll turn something. Um, and that's how we got Cogman. We'll get to Cogman. I have a lot to say. Skybound, <laughs> stay tuned. I got a lot to say about Cogman. Okay. okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it was never... In the grand scheme of things, it was never that important who the humans were. Like the Witwicky line will always interact with the series. But what matters, right. I guess, is that they are friends with the Transformers and create that bond, as Bumblebee makes clear. But I never mm-hmm. felt anything about any of these characters. Yeah. Even Sam. I mean, I liked Sam just fine. I think Shia was like a solid 
through line through the first trilogy. But after mm -hmm. Shia leaves, I can't I can't bond with Marky Mark like that. I, I'm just not wired to do that. Yeah, it's it's very funny to hear you say that, because if I could kill Sam Witwick, even my bare hands, I would do it. <laughs> But you know what? If I were forced to watch eight Transformers, or however many, I don't even know how many there are, Transformers movies in 48 hours, I would also probably say the same thing. I, I was there within 20 minutes of the start of the first one. Yeah. He is a walking sexual harassment case. Well. Yeah, pretty much. That, like, like the... yeah, it, it's very 2007. Like, right. But, but still. really. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. All, all of these movies have that same through line of like, solid 2002 misogyny yeah oh yeah notice how i did not mention a woman once in that entire appraisal of the characters because they're like where are they because they have megan fox kind of right right and they misuse her horribly yeah i mean mark Wahlberg cares about his daughter <laughs> yo what was going on there Okay, this is a three-hour movie about robot dinosaurs, but we needed yeah. the insert shot on the Romeo and Juliet laminated card in the wallet. Yeah, and do, do you know how how far into the movie that takes place? It's almost yes. forty minutes in. That's right. <sighs> yeah, I, I, I guess <laughs> I gotta go say I, I gotta intervene because the thing that offends me the most about these films is that. As somebody who lives in Texas, Cade Jager, as, Mark, as portrayed by Marky Mark, is not what I think of when I think of Texas. Like, I've I've been to parts of Texas where it's like just farm country. There's nobody out there that looks or talks like Mark Wahlberg. Uh, I'll tell you that much. Uh, I think if I mean from all the protagonists, I think uh, Haley Steinfeld is probably my favorite. Uh, just because I felt like that's when the movies got good or better again sure uh, and and also and i really enjoyed the last one too anthony reyes like i could really connect and i was like oh yeah this dude like i i kind of like the 90s vibe that they gave it so i was like oh yeah i grew up with people like anthony reyes like his character right not exactly in that situation uh because growing up in new york and texas is still very different sure, sure. similar similar but i feel like the the strength of the cast is not in the protagonist it's in the surrounding people like like Josh Duhamel, constant throughout all those films. Like that dude made a career of playing the army guy in whatever oh army God. position. Like he's in every army, whatever army position they need him in in a movie, <laughs> he's there. Uh, John Turturro's performance just became more unhinged every film, and that, that was really nice to watch. So yeah, that that's kind of my take on the protagonist. Sam Witwicky, like take him or leave him, whatever. His parents are a lot of fun. I think His I want their movie. Fun. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I want their movie. Like, show me what they were doing in that vacation. When yeah, they their road trip. <laughs> Danny, that's an NC seventeen movie. You can't put that on screen. <laughs> I love Kevin Dunn um, as as the father Witwicky. I love him. He shows up in a lot of yeah. our movies on Austin Pod, and he is mm -hmm. the best. And he's great in Veep too. Oh my god, uh, dude! Him and Veep is maybe one of my favorite characters on in television history. Right, like just absolutely atrocious and awful in the best ways but yeah i i feel i very much feel the same way um as you guys do about like the the main cast in this Haley steinfeld was like a breath of fresh air after mark Wahlberg just tried to exist or marky mark was in the last night i don't know go following the last night up with bumblebee was like oh 
this franchise does know how to make films. I didn't really care for Bumblebee, but like it was by and large much better than um, The Last Night. And I think like Anthony Ramos, just I, I love that guy on screen in general. So like I kind of am biased in that, like anytime he's in something, I'm kind of like, oh, right, this is going to be fine um, because I feel like he's he's had a lot of really good roles. I even liked him in In the Heights, and that's my own personal feelings, you know, um, but uh, still, I, 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 I feel like Shia LaBeouf's wait, 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 will always live in my heart. You know what I mean? Um, there's no one that can do that better than him. Like, and so I, I will always appreciate that. But yeah, that being said, I did. I still really have like this fondness for Dark of the Moon of all of the movies. So like, I still have to appreciate like what happened. And like, this is this kind of moves into the next thing I wanted to talk about, which was the canon of these stories. And I know that like we talk about how canon can be kind of like a hamstringing mechanic in in all of these in movies and in comics and stuff. But the one thing I did appreciate about Transformers one through five is that there is a shared continuity that somehow exists where Chicago is just destroyed and it becomes this like central spot of just active military presence that is a desert and it's an ocean and it's in the middle of America uh, <laughs> all at one place in one time. And I loved how stupid that was and how consistent they were. Like somebody in a writer's room was like, if we don't keep Chicago destroyed, I'm going to fucking shoot somebody. <laughs> like, I don't know why they didn't just have it cleaned up, but I appreciated that it stayed destroyed and everything that happened was like Autobots. I don't know. There, there was a through line to those first five movies that I still had to appreciate despite their absurdity. Yeah, I feel like the, the individual movies were not always terribly coherent, but like the overall storyline did make sense. Yeah, yeah. In the same sense that any Transformers story can make sense, but like, yeah, <laughs> that is the thing about these movies is like there is a lore here that like I'm. It's like eating something that doesn't taste very good, but every once in a while you get a pocket of something sweet or something savory that you're like, oh wait, no, 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 this is worth eating. I just got to figure out what actually made that taste. And this spoilers, it's the lore in these movies. It's kind of fun. I, I will interject about the lore because every, well, after the first one, every movie opens with a retcon of Transformers history and how long they've been on Earth. Oh, sure, they, sure, they sure. All, they all do that because, like, in the first one's like, oh, it's the first time they're here. And the second one, like, actually, they've always been here. They were here. They've been here whatever. for a while. Yeah. The Fallen were here or whatever. Like, they got here first and killed the dinosaurs uh, or whatever. Then the Dark of the Moon, like, they caused the moon landing. That's what it was. I, I really like that whole retcon that storyline of like making us think that it was all a conspiracy like that was fun oh my god yeah so um and then like they even go as far as to the arthurian legend of like oh transformers (laughs) were here since the knights of the round table listen Uh, it's fine it's fine (laughs) that's my favorite thing because it's like who cares let's get bold right arthurian legend is reality and the dragon was a giant robot whatever what are you gonna do i love it I mean, the I mean, we, we have to talk about the last night moment where <laughs> Anthony Hopkins, for one, is in this movie. <laughs> How? How? Did he I don't, did he owe someone a favor? Like that has I, to like maybe I he bet, just wanted a vacation in London or something. Oh, the, I bet he had such an awesome time in his three days every couple of years on Thor, and I bet that paid so well that he just oh, took yeah. whatever. Okay, I'll do Transformers. It's the same amount of I actually do think he's doing a decent job in Thor, but like he's actively like at, he's doing running sequences and stuff mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. he's very active in the last night when compared mm-hmm. to Thor, where he was just kind of sitting there or That's like maybe standing. Uh, but man, that was 
how did they rope him into this? I did, I love that they brought Stanley Tucci back to play young Merlin. My, uh, that was no, amazing. No. That was love amazing. Danny, that's the most absurd. I, okay, it's not the most absurd because the reason I wanted to bring up Anthony Hopkins is because he revealed that there was a watch that he owned that killed Hitler and was a transformer. Um, which I just can't believe that that is a thing that they decided to put in the movie for no reason other than so Hopkins can later in the movie bring same said watch to the prime minister of England and say, I'll kill you all with this motherfucker. <laughs> like he didn't, yeah. we didn't have to know that it killed Hitler for him, for us to know that it was dangerous. And yet they left it in the movie. <laughs> yeah. After, after five movies, they showed us any transformer that any, or any, any, yeah, any transformer that shows up fresh is evil yeah. and wants to kill any human around. It's right. not until you decide to become an Autobot that you're not like a crazy psychopath robot. But when they turn the next box into a Transformer, that wanted to kill everyone around yes. them. Yes. Uh, so, yeah. I maintain <laughs> if it if it had kept going like that and they hadn't rebooted, a Decepticon would have framed Lee Harvey Oswald for the assassination. <laughs> of Guaranteed. What are you going to do? That was... Where could you go? That was the trajectory that they kind of were taking that like, oh, yeah, by the way, historical like leaps in bounds in technology and like major historical events. It's all Transformers. It's just been covered yeah. up. Anything significant that's ever happened was actually right. space robots. Right. Which is why John Torturo's char- or John Torturo's character is so funny because he has this conspiracy mindset from the get go about Transformers having been here for forever and and having done all of these things and nobody believes him. And then for some reason, by the fifth movie, we justified, oh, no, no, he was right from the get go. Every time he thought that something was happening because of the Transformers, it was totally true. Now, that means that he gets to go on these wild escapades in two and three where he's. I don't know, off in Cuba, he's disgraced, he's working at a butcher shop, he's doing, somehow he's friends with a Transformer that lives in Cuba, like, I don't know, I can't keep track of his storyline and where he bounced around, but he's very involved in 1, 2, and 3, and then 4 and 5, he's kind of just on the phone. What's the one where he's literally running around in his underpants the entire movie? I feel uh, like, or maybe there was a sequence. I think it's that's the first really one after he, gets, after he gets peed on, that changes brain yes, chemistry. Sure. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Like... <laughs> Completely. That's what that's God. what made the character what it is. He was a normal person, but then you get Transformers pee on you, and that has consequences to it. Um, the 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 voice line delivery of Bumblebee: "Stop lubricating the man." Wow. <laughs> 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 the fact. <laughs> the fact the, the, that... there, there's something entertaining about these films. You shouldn't mainline them like Brian did for sure. Sure. Uh, but they need just a little bit of editing. But go ahead, Mike. Sorry. I inter- I no, no. I was just going to say, like, the fact that they got Peter Cullen to say these things is kind of absurd. Like, I felt like every single one of his line deliveries as Optimus is, like, the most inspiring thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Despite the whole world, in that moment when I'm watching the film, him saying, Autobots, we have to do X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, fuck yeah, we do. Yes, we fucking do, Optimus. Like, I'm fully inspired. I'm engaged in the movie. And then they'll immediately cut over to Shia LaBeouf or Marky Mark or whoever. And they're like, wait, 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 what are you telling me? We got to do Optimus? Like, that's, that's, <laughs> it takes me out of the moment. That was a pretty good Marky Mark. I got to say. I've been, <laughs> listen, I'm not going to say that I haven't been working on it for three or four weeks, but I've been working on it for three. It was bad uh, Texas accent, but it was a good Marky Mark. <laughs> yes. There, there but, is a, another great line of his in the fourth one when Marky Mark is complaining about his daughter, and Optimus just offhand goes, I went through that with Bumblebee. <laughs> just like, 
What? <laughs> no, I want to hear more I, about Bumblebee's rebellious teen years. Fuck this whole movie. Right. No, you're telling me you don't want to hear about more of the time when Bumblebee was in the middle of World War II and maybe was the deadliest killer known to all the Autobots? He saved us. Because I couldn't. I mean, he saved us. Um, yeah. So these movies, um, I know we're, we're kind of jumping all over here. So I'm, I'm curious to know. So we've, we've kind of talked about it a little bit, but like, what were some of the highlights of these movies for you guys? As you were going through and revisiting these things, obviously, there's a lot of bad to talk about, a lot of goofy things, but I feel like there's got to be some highlights for you. So, um, Danny, why don't we start with you? Yeah, uh, I think the highlight of this rewatch, I mean, as other than just seeing all these actors get paid insane amounts of money for being very goofy. <laughs> yeah. um, we got a Buzz Aldrin cameo in one of these, which is cool. Like, okay. Yeah, in number three. Like, the man yeah. is literally a national treasure, and you got him in your movie. But uh, I think the idea behind the Dark of the Moon was just the best one. Like, it really felt like something way different. Mm-hmm. Revenge of the Fallen is a mess. From like from the beginning to the middle to the end, it's, it's all over the place. It's a mess. Uh, also, why is there a prime that's always evil? Whatever. Uh, but yeah, I think Dark of the Moon has just the best idea. Like that—that w- that was the movie that I probably revisited, and it changed the way I, I remembered it. Because I remember sure. not enjoying that one as much the first time around. Like when we were in this might be saying you know a little spoiler for the rankings, but this was pretty low on my list originally before the rewatch, mm-hmm. and right that completely changed from this one. So. I gotta say that that's probably it. And also, I'm a big fan of the slow mo. You guys know I love Zack Snyder. So Dude. Like, all this slow mo transforming anytime, give it like give it to me. Gears grinding, do 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 like all that. Yeah. Except for the when they switch it with the Galvatronium or whatever in the fourth one. The Transformium. Yeah, Transformium. Transformium I don't yeah. like that. I don't like them being pixels. I would need them to like have gears and shift, and and be like a puzzle that you have to put together. Yeah. Kev, what about you? I love all of the, again, all of the crazy legends that they have. Like in discussing this, I I had to mute my mic from laughing so hard because I realized that John Malkovich was in Dark of the Moon. And I I found this image I'm posting in Discord chat, which is just one of the great (laughs) images I've ever seen in my life. Um, John Goodman as well, which I'm sure we'll Uh talk about. Mind blowing. Um, The relief that Dark of the Moon was coherent especially in revisiting everything. I took friends to dark of the moon the week it came out and I was oh. not allowed to pick movies for weeks. And I <laughs> was the one who gave them free tickets also. So right. that was a little messed up. <laughs> I loved the, so here's a, here's a big thing we'll talk about. Steven Spielberg executive produced these, I think has mm-hmm. to be a name only after the first one. Cause holy moly. Yeah. But, um, the the Spielberg vibe in both Transformers One and Bumblebee uh, really stuck out to me yeah. on this watch, especially after the Fablemans. We talk about him a lot on Austin Pod. Um, the idea that it's some regular guy whose life is changed by something amazing. Now, there's no wonder in Transformers One, it has all been replaced with um, Iraq War era military fetishism. Sure, but Bumblebee almost captures that the right way while managing to Mm -hmm. include plenty of military fetish uh, Mm -hmm. play with the John Cena storyline. So that, that really impressed me for what it's worth. And then the madness of the last night, which I watched yesterday morning in prep for the show, just the, just the full on, what are you going to do? Not make another one of these. What are you Mm going to do Mm -hmm. audience? Not come to see it. I dare you. 
of the craziness of Cogman and the Arthurian legend. I just, the range is, is they had, powerful. They had a little stinger at the end for you to come back for the next one. Like they set up, they were setting stuff up with Quintessa as a human. That's right. In the oh, last, yeah. at the end of oh, the last. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. They were very cocky going into that last film that they were mm-hmm. going to make more. Yeah, it's, yeah. But, well, I, I guess to your point though, Kev, like there's, there's a lot that does kind of work. And I mean, like Danny, you've said like some of this machinery stuff. So Brian, I'm curious to know after you've mainlined a lot of these movies, <laughs> what are your thoughts on, on in terms of highlights for these movies? Uh, I, I made a, a post on Twitter about it. It's just like these movies are like 30 minutes of the most dog shit writing you've ever seen. And then three minutes of the coolest, sickest robot violence imaginable. <laughs> because yes. like I, I loved all of like the the gnarly ass transformer designs for this. How they're all like jagged and very, very like machine I thought those all looked super cool and all the action when there wasn't a human involved looked great. Um, the C- the CGI didn't hold up so well when you had like real stuff to compare it to. Mm-hmm. But there were whole sequences where I'm like, this is just a, a very expensive cartoon that I'm watching and, <laughs> yes. and I love it. Totally. Um, there was a, I, I really liked in Dark of the Moon when they're doing all the like the, the conspiracy footage. Um <sighs> And like, that's that's how you disguise like bad person CGI is slapping those like old timey video filters on them, <laughs> right? Because like that was that looked like a very great Kennedy, mm-hmm. uh, because you couldn't see it super well, <laughs> but like it it felt so natural. It didn't feel like they were trying to hide anything. Mm-hmm. They were just successfully doing so while also fitting like the aesthetic choice that they were going for. Yeah, no, you you definitely nailed it. I think like, oh yeah, the, I mean, I could sit here and talk about the conspiracy stuff in Dark of the Moon all day because I felt like, again, spoilers for the rankings. I feel like number three is pretty high up on the list for a lot of us. That movie like finally gets it, and it's unfortunately like the end of a an era in the Transformers like universe because they change actors, they change directions with the entire show or the entire thing. I guess like for me. What really, really worked is, Brian, you pointed out, like, the the gnarly look of a lot of these Transformers is really cool. And, like, Danny, you were talking about all the transforming moments are just so cool to watch. And every time they did it, it never felt old. Um, I feel like in Bumblebee, Bumblebee actually transforms the same way, like, three times. That kind of, like, weirdly stuck out to me. But with the exception of that, like, all the transformation moments are really cool. They turn into these fucking cool cars like i'm not a car guy but clearly these cars look cool they look like they belong in a need for speed game or something or whatever racing game is popular um and they're like the best of the best clearly sponsored blah 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 blah, right um i thought that was really fun um there's a moment i think it's in age of extinction where megatron like gets to pick a roster of of baddies that he gets to take out with him and they do like this stupid heist movie style introduction sequence where they're like i want this guy and then we cut to that guy in jail and he's like i'm gonna get the hell out of here and crush all you humans except for you steve you're cool or something like like that's it's right so dumb and i was like you know what though that works that's funny to me i i don't think that that movie is great but i also found that moment to be extremely hilarious and the fact that it went on for so long was kind of like a detriment to the bit itself but like they gave megatron like a moment to be not entirely the bad guy um 
and have like this fun almost suicide squad moment where you're like here are the villains and here are the good guys and they're going to go head to head and it felt like almost like a cartoon where you know the villains as well as the as well as the protagonists so that when they go head to head you kind of know what everybody's superpower is so that when they fight you're like oh he's got the chainsaw always oh, it's not just we've turned our hands into guns and then we shoot at each other i thought that was a fun little moment i don't remember this at all <laughs> it's in last <laughs> night <laughs> It's when the lawyers show up, Brian. You, you know oh, the okay. lawyers that go to the desert to pu- to yeah. work on this deal because the yeah, lawyers they have are a very desk. Important. There's a desk and they're on the phone. Hold on, let me see if we can call somebody. Like it's so stupid. I made a note that's like Decepticons versus lawyers. Okay, sure. Yeah. <laughs> like these are the moments that work in this series, whereas the rest of it is kind of like garbage, right? Like I think I said in my notes, like the lore and all of the Transformers stuff is actually fun. It's when they start adding these like we need to add a human layer to these stories yeah. that kind of becomes annoying because it takes away from what I'm actually here for, which is dumb robots fighting each other for some ridiculous reason that they've made up on the spot because this is a cartoon uh, like that is the thing that kills me about the last night is that that's a dumb idea but for the first 45 minutes i'm like yeah hell yeah let's let's ride this pony i don't even care because there's going to be some dumb reason for it or maybe it's age of extinction i think it's four again that actually has like it feels like a cartoon for the first hour and some change and then i go dad you lost me when you started to make me care about marky mark um so i just wanted them to like just really figure out what made these movies work and i think they got it in three and then four and five they fall apart and i try to bring it back i think in rise of the beast but there's again almost too much human element and maybe too much uh I don't, I'm going to say New York in it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, there's, I definitely there's agree. Some, Go ahead. Sorry, there, there's two really cool moments in all these films that I really love. Like, I would have posters of these. When when uh, Optimus shows up writing on Grimlock for the first time ever, mm-hmm. God, I, I love that moment. Just big splash page comic book moment right there. And then yeah. when Anthony Ramos puts on Pete Davidson's character, I forget his name, Mirage, I think. Yeah, Mirage. When he yeah, puts Mirage. him on, like, and I know this is a more recent movie, so sorry for the spoilers, but he puts on Mirages and armor, and he's like this Iron Man type. Like, they're finally working together, fully connected together, mm-hmm. and that's the way you can kind of keep keep Mirage alive until you know, until later on. But like, those were two of my favorite moment, like moments of the whole franchise that that don't involve actor moments. There's a lot of actor moments that I just love throughout the whole thing, but pure transformer stuff yeah grimlock and then oh man i was so hyped for that i love the last part of the fourth movie i hate everything before that but the last when the dinobots are involved i'm i'm all in that, <laughs> i was gonna that's say you're I just here for the dinobots okay. that's what i went okay. to see yeah i i will say i enjoyed rise of the beasts to kind of bring it to where we're at now with these movies yeah but i do agree i think ironically i think the issue is that there wasn't an extra 45 minutes of energon lore <laughs> um, uh, yes because because i think it's only just two hours right so yeah it's a little over two hours they brought in the human comedy which i don't i love sarah styles who plays the curator of the museum mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. we're with her a long time it's a lot and i really would have loved more of the autobot the beast wars characters i feel mm-hmm. like to quote marvel's yeah. hilarious contest of chaos ad but to what end Like this is beast wars (laughs) for a generation of kids. This is the jam. These are the characters. Are are we just never going to see those characters again? Like, 
to what end? Yeah, only two of them are actual characters, right? Nobody like the other two don't oh, talk right. at all. It's only Michelle yeah. Yeoh, Michelle Yeoh's character who like who's the eagle, and then uh, Ron Perlman's. Oh, Ron Perlman. Ron Jesus. Perlman. Oh my God, Chef's Kiss. Yeah, maybe the second voice acting next to Optimus Prime, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You tell me you didn't love Pete Davidson just being Pete Davidson inside of a robot auto tune machine. I forgot that was him for all these months, and I lived a life of blissful ignorance until now. <laughs> Honestly, oh, you know, one of my favorite Pete Davidson roles. I, yes, for it sure. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. It just it is just Pete Davidson. Yeah. Is... <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I think we yeah, we could we can kind of focus a little bit in here on, on Rise of the Beast, because I think like that is probably the one in people's most recent memory. Um, like I, I thought that movie the movie is is interesting. Like it has probably one of the better soundtracks of all of the movies because they got to say, hey, nostalgia hit, nostalgia hit, nostalgia hit. Um, which was great. I had no problem with it. I was surprised that there wasn't uh the typical Beastie Boys song. Instead, they pick a different Beastie Boys song for this movie. So but yeah, this overall, like it's a it's a fun movie. Um, I love the scene with Mirage where he, where, uh, you know, Anthony Ramos's character is like stuck in the car. He can't go anywhere. The police are chasing after him. He's driving down this bridge. Mirage does his thing, which is very, very funny. Like it's a good use of like, Hey, this is the wacky thing that Mirage can do. Uh, unfortunately it doesn't really get played up too well for the rest of the movie, but it's a good moment. And I feel like the, the overall, storyline for this is kind of okay they they do they dragon ball z the entire story where they're like all right we need to go to some place that has nothing on it nobody's living on it and we need to have this big huge fight um but like i don't know i think you're right though kev there there is this missing like time sink of lore that need to get delivered to us for us to feel like we should care anything about this unicron business that's happening in the movie so um i did feel like that was lacking the, the first time I've ever heard somebody say that this movie would have been improved by a 40 minute lore dump. Yeah, I was just going to say that exact same thing. I know it sounds crazy, but think about we could have really used a cog man. No, 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 no. <laughs> Listen to me, you son of a bitch. Where I is will cog not man? have that on this podcast. <laughs> This is Welcome a Cogman slander TV. zone. Oh, no. <laughs> Danny, I want to hear I want to hear your and Brian's thoughts a little bit about this before we get into the issue that is Cogman and maybe some of our low lights of these movies. Uh, look, Mir- Mirage's powers are cool, but he's no Hot Rod. Hot Rod can stop time with bubbles. <laughs> what? I, I, I got to that in the last night. I was like, oh, my. I didn't know that. That yeah. was cool. Uh, but yeah, I want to. So I grew up watching the Beast Wars cartoon or mm-hmm. yeah, whatever it was called. So, like, this was it for me. Like, this is what I was waiting for. And overall, I enjoyed the movie. Uh, I really like the post credit stuff. Actually, I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Or mm-hmm. it's going to be really bad. Either way, I'm in for it. Like, oh, yeah. I'm gonna go check- <laughs> watching it, right? Like- <laughs> I'm going to go check it out. Um, but, yeah, they just do so much cool stuff. Uh, I want to talk a little bit more about Bumblebee, the movie, and the character. Because one of, my, one of the things I hated about this whole French is that they damsel in distress Bumblebee a lot. Like... Mm. He he just gets he's he's at the bottom of every wrong. He's the one that that takes the brunt of it. They kill him for like most of Beast Wars, which is like, what the hell's wrong with you? He just and, got his own movie. That's why, Danny. Well, and that was so sad because when he gets to Earth, and then I forget the the Septicon that just takes out his voice box. He doesn't. He wants to kill him, but first he's gonna take his voice. You don't want right, to talk to me, then I'll take your voice. Very Disney villain. Uh, <laughs> of I believe it was Star Cream. I want to say it was Star Cream, but um, yeah, man, Bumblebee just like he got like throughout the whole franchise, mm-hmm. but then he he gets his moment usually at the end. But 
I just I like him a lot as a, as a as an Autobot, and I just think that we need to treat him better. Okay, I'll uh I'll come back to that in a minute, Brian. Any any <laughs> any highlights for you? I I think that I ranked uh, Rise of the Beast a lot higher than everybody else did. Okay, just looking ahead in the notes, uh, and I think it's because it didn't have the baggage of the all the other movies lore sure. dragging around. Like, I, I think that for a movie about, you know, the the Beast Transformers probably should have featured them a little more heavily. Sure, um, yeah. Would have been nice to, to see more Beast Wars in my Beast War movie. I liked that I didn't have to remember anything about the other movies to enjoy it. Sure. See, I genuinely thought that somehow this movie was going to end up being a prequel to John Tertua's Agent Simmons character somehow. Like, maybe he changes, maybe, uh, you know, Anthony Ramos' character changes his name, he becomes Simmons, and I was like, that would be a huge stretch, right? I appreciate that they didn't. I appreciate the stinger that they had at the end of this movie instead, because I feel like that's a much more fun twist on the entire uh, Transformers franchise. But, um, yeah, it was... Uh, <laughs> I, I feel that that lack of weight kind of added a freeing element. It allowed this movie to be a little bit less, I think, intense in terms of like what was at stake. Obviously, it was still like end of the world because that's kind of what these are all about with the exception yeah. of Bumblebee. Uh, well, Bumblebee even still is about the end of the world. But um, I feel like there was like, there again, just freedom to kind of reestablish characters as needed, introduce people without having to have like a where were you during the big Chicago fight, blah, blah, blah stuff. I also thought that Anthony Ramos's character was just the only human character that I liked. Yeah. Like he felt like a decent guy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I really did uh, appreciate what's his name? Tobey Ngue, uh in the movie who played like his buddy. He also has like a track in the movie who like like all the movie was very, all the all the music in, in Rise of the Beasts was uh, very period centric of like the mid 90s. Um, but there is one song that they use in the climax um, by Tobey and Gue. And it's like a really cool like modern hip hop track that like they lined up with the orchestral like score that I thought was really fun. I don't know. He's a hip hop guy. He's really good. Really good rapper, I think, in my personal opinion. But I thought it was fun to have him in the movie. And then he also gets a track on the soundtrack. Um but let's let's wrap things up here with one final bit. I guess I do want to talk about some of the digs, some of the problems we have. And specifically, I want to talk about Mr. Cogman, a character that, in my opinion, makes no sense in the entire Transformer series because he's kind of just there as a robot man. He doesn't seem to transform. He's just there to deliver lore and be a butler who is absent minded and also has all of the memory. Um, what the hell? <laughs> I I'm a Cogman apologist. Damn. Uh, I think he was a fun character. He's a pure psychopath. Uh, but I think that that might be what happens after you hang out with Anthony Hopkins and his relatives for centuries. Your, <laughs> yes. your brain just degrades to that. Um, you know, I, I really, I really thought it was funny when like, he's the one that gets Anthony Hopkins to do stuff. Uh, and then also when he, when he just takes the humans, he's like, come on, humans. Like, he's very disconnected from them because he doesn't know all these characters. I I like sure. Cogman, Cogman apologists over here. Uh, I don't know if everybody else feels the same way, but that's that's my take on the Cogman. I yelled at you earlier, Kev, so I need to hear your thoughts on this. He represents single-handedly everything deranged and amazing about those last two Transformers <laughs> movies, but specifically the last night. 
First of all, the voice acting is by <laughs> by Mr. Carson from Downton Abbey, the right. great Jim Carter, who is giving a performance. I mean, he showed up, he said yes. the stuff, and he left. Mm-hmm. That is the end of it. <laughs> Why does he have to be there? No reason. They thought it would be cool to put a robot there. Whatever. He is so tangential to everything that is going on. I I can't help but love Cogman because he's just a mess. He's a mess. Yeah, I okay, okay. I mean, yeah. I feel like they, they there was a again. You said this is a writers' room style movie, right? Uh, they heavy quotes put here. together half a dozen grown adults, mm-hmm. and then we're like, look, we hired a couple. First of all, it was all obviously men, men who had written mm. your least favorite nerd movies of the last 15, 20 years. And then they mm. said, oh, no, we have two women. And then they all got together. And this is the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's I guess I feel like Cogman as a character was supposed to have more importance in like I think he was supposed to be like the Bumblebee character for the movie and then they said no no what if bumblebee was the assassin what if bumblebee did everything um and he's just kind of been like this i'm a cute little bumblebee character um for some reason but i don't know i just could not get over the fact that he existed and kept like trying to put mark Wahlberg and um i'm i'm blanking on her name um in, in a room t- yes it's in, dora in a- dora the explorer because that's the same person who played the character no 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 laura haddock laura haddock oh, is what i'm thinking okay. of sorry they kept trying to put her marky mark and laura haddock together in these situations to be like now kiss like gi joes and barbies right like it made no sense um i, I don't I didn't I, I didn't expect the polo sequence in my transformer movies uh and that's her introduction to the franchise <laughs> yes it's again anyways i don't mean to just like nitpick and be pissed about this movie but the last night just made me so angry outside of the fact that the three-headed dragon was maybe the coolest transformer of all times that's that's it there's there's a reason that movie came out and we all just collectively took a break from transformers (laughs) yeah yeah in the in last defense of cogman he's no skits and mudflap all right there you go Okay. See, there are so there much many worse robots. Who's that robot that Tom Kenny voices? That's that's uh, Skids. That's Skids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I love all love to Tom Kenny and to Cogman, but come on. Yeah, if, I guess if, if 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 that had come out now, there's no way Tom Kenny wouldn't have gotten canceled for that role. <laughs> He's I, like, I didn't. I didn't. Because I, I was listening this. to it, I was like, "Holy yeah. shit, this is racist!" My yeah. God, that's true. <laughs> Yeah, the amount of racist robots is more than one. Yes. Uh, I can can see where there was a civil war in Cybertron. There you Um, go. The the last thing I want to say is, why at the end of Bumblebee did John Cena salute Bumblebee? (laughs) Is it just because he found out he was a soldier? It's because it's a movie for kids. Because I feel like I paid attention to that movie, and I couldn't figure out when John Cena's character came around on Bumblebee until like the final moment when he says, nah, I'm going to let him go. And then he salutes Bumblebee and Bumblebee salutes him back. And that's hey, like the end of the movie. It's weird. John Cena that's was all. there to put Bumblebee over and he did it. All right. I guess. <laughs> I guess. Because um, these movies are jingoistic military propaganda. Yeah. 
I'll give you there's that. There's so much of it. Like, there's less now, but there's still so much of it. The, the Transformers movie may have, like, definitely funded a large part of the Iraqi war, I think. That's that's kind of what the conclusion I'm coming to is, um, given that all the military stuff has to be, like, approved by a special division of the military in the United States before they use it. Like, Michael Bay clearly has, like, a very close handshake contract with someone over there to be like, hey, making a movie, I, I can promise you $20 million. And they go, cool, whatever you need, Mike. So You know, you know what though if i was in the military like i would want that job like i get to work in hollywood and look at all these movies okay and yeah. not get shot at all right exactly right. sign me up it's also pretty damning like to the involvement of the plot to the military stuff's involvement with the plot let's get through that mm. sentence that we haven't said the words we're wrapping up here we haven't said the words tyrese gibson once that is true and he's like <laughs> that is true he's in more than one of these right like he's in a yeah, bunch he's of in these. like three or four he's in of the trilogy, three. first trilogy right yeah at least three like, but what is he doing he he's uh he's the link between this and the fan the uh, fast and furious films right I why wish. hasn't that crossover happened <sighs> did you How, wait that is too, that is like so on the table it's in easy it's like rotten right like how do how do the fantastic or the fantastic four how do the fast and the furious guys not drive transformers like come that seems like i want i want the scene of vin diesel telling bumblebee no let me drive bumblebee i know you're a transformer <laughs> machine but i'm a better driver right right cogman versus the rock see this might bring me back around on cogman i think okay well we we do have to wrap this entire shindig up it's been um a very momentous thing. Apologies if none of this made sense to you at home. I hope you watched all the Transformers movies before you got this far. Paul, who's proof listening today, is just shaking his head and shrugging. Uh, it sounds like it might have been a little bit of nonsense. But before we finally end the show, I got to know, we have to rank these movies. Um, so I guess I'm going to start with Brian. Let's let's get your overall rankings of these movies. I know we numbered them in the doc, but if you could try to, to list them out as you go, that'd be helpful. Yeah. Uh, my... Top one was the first one, Transformers. I think that I think we were all in agreement there, or nearly. Mm. Um, after that, it was number seven. It was Rise of the Beasts because okay. I, I think it was because neither one of those movies had required reading for mm. it. Uh, after that was three, which surprised me because in my head I remember thinking that like Dark of the Moon was like the one of the worst Transformers movies. And I think I just had it mixed up with the second one yeah. in my head. <laughs> uh, because after after three, I, I put number four. Um, you know, we got the the Marky Mark trilogy in order, four and five. Mm-hmm. Trilogy, dual, duology? Duology, yeah. Uh, it felt like three movies. Um, it's about as long as three movies, yeah. And and final my final slot goes of course to number two because I I hated almost every minute of that experience. <laughs> this yeah. was before I realized that if I rented the movies on YouTube, I could watch them at one and a half times speed. <laughs> Smart. Which is the way to watch these, by the way, because they are so it's so much fun to watch everybody like scamper around at one and a half times speed. Um and I forgot to watch Bumblebee for this. <laughs> okay. So that's fine. It's a, uh, that's I, I don't know where that should fall okay. in, in my ranking. Well, we'll follow up next time you're on the show and see if you've had a chance to watch Bumblebee. I but... won't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate Thank the you. honesty. 
Thank you. Uh, well, Danny, let's go to you. Then we'll go to Kev. Then we'll go to me, and we'll get this whole show wrapped up. So, Danny, go ahead. Sure. Uh, so, Dark of the Moon is my favorite. Well, that's at the top. I don't know about my favorite. Sure. Um, uh, then it's the original one. Then we have uh, Bumblebee. I really love Bumblebee. Like, not just the character, but, like, the movie itself. Haley Steinfeld. Like, John Cena, anything he's on. Like, he's just so funny. Um, sure, yeah. Uh, then Age of Extinction is is very close with Beast Wars. So, it's Age of Extinction at fourth place. I love Dinobots. Like I said, I didn't care for the... Like, my note says everything before the Dinobots show up is garbage. But, <laughs> but I love them so much that... Yeah. They were very underutilized in the last night. That also angered me. Um, mm-hmm. And then Beast Wars, like if there had been most more Beast Wars in it, like or Beast characters, I uh, would have probably been higher on the list. Uh, Dark of the Moon sucks, but it doesn't suck as bad as the last night. It is the the last night is a series of vignettes and scenes stapled together. It's not even a movie. Um, you tell me yeah. you don't love that they introduced a bunch of kid characters and then immediately dismissed them all. The- Okay. The, the twist that that oh, yeah. <laughs> the Earth was Unicron was like, what the fuck are you talking about? We've right. been at this for five movies, and this is the first time you bring it up. <laughs> and then I love the the I'm gonna make Optimus Prime evil by giving him a dark spot on his face. Give him a little kiss. He's evil, but then Bumblebee's voice come back, and he say like he breaks out of his trance. That was actually a nice moment. But everything else in this movie was garbage. <laughs> I love when a squid rides around in my body that started as an arm piece and then the actor and directors couldn't figure out what they wanted to do with it. So I don't know. Uh, Kev, tell us tell us your <laughs> rankings here. All right. Real quick. Uh, obviously, Dark of the Moon is number one. The original mm-hmm. is number two. Again, these are the ones where you can at least see it. You can see what they were getting at under the sure. pile of CG bolts and literal literal urine um and then swinging robot ball sacks yep that's right we'll get there we'll get there uh (laughs) then i have i put the rise of the beasts at number three it's it's again like i said i needed a bit more of that lore flavor but i think the human angle is good and i think although i don't know how i feel about hasbro tying two brands together without giving it away too much. I'm, I'm, we'll see how that turns out. They have to get the other brand right first, I think, before they do it. But, <laughs> right, right. you know, there's a lot of potential, a lot of potential. There's then some comics I have, that I could I could show you that might help you understand that. But we'll talk I'm about that after it. the we'll show. We'll talk about that. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm here for it. Uh, then I have, look, I love movies that are huge messes, right? Um, Southland Tales is a movie that people hate that I'm infamous for enjoying. I thought uh, okay. Damien Chazelle's Babylon last year was really great. So it's no uh, it's no surprise, I guess, that my number four is The Last Night, which is a heaving mess, exhausted with itself, shocked you're <laughs> even there. Like, mm-hmm. again, they brought a room full of adults together and that's the movie they put out. So um, then I have Bumblebee, which is like a fun, it's a fun adventure movie. It's a great family movie. Um, really on the nose, but this franchise desperately needed it. And then uh, Age of Extinction and then Rise of the Fallen, which I think is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Yeah. Okay. Barely even a movie. I mean, you're telling me that a regular guy with a little bit of military access can't just go sleep next to the pyramids for a night just in case the world ends with his girlfriend, who they may or not be, you know, broken up or not. 
I don't know. Look, okay. the writer strike hurt uh, us all in different ways. And one of those <laughs> ways was Transformers Revenge of the Fallen. So Yes, okay, okay. Well, uh, let me get to my rankings here then. Um, I love Dark of the Moon. The conspiracy stuff just like scratched an itch and I'm glad it all worked out and kind of like is a fun ending to Shia LaBeouf's trilogy on the series and it still managed to be like it still managed to be fun despite the ridiculousness of a new girlfriend who was whatever we're just i i liked it um the original transformers great movie um it's 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 fun it's it's better than many of the other transformers movies the next i've got is bumblebee despite all of my problems with it i actually liked what it did it's very like you said family friendly it's an easy movie that i could just drop in front of someone and say hey let's watch this dumb transformers movie and they probably have a good time um next i've got rise of the beasts I like this movie better than the other three. That's all I can really say, because the next one I have is Age of Extinction, followed by Revenge of the Fallen and finally The Last Night, because I just can't get I can't stop being frustrated about Cogman. That's all that it comes down to. Um, so that's that's my ranking here. So I appreciate uh, you guys uh, spending the time to talk to me today about Transformers. I dare not risk it, but final thoughts. Any last things you guys want to get out before we finally call this a close? I just wanted to ask who everyone's favorite Autobot was to kind of end the vote. On a more bright and positive note, I can kick it off because uh, as much as I love uh, Dragonstorm and uh, Grimlock because they look cool, mm-hmm. Hound as voiced by John Goodman is my favorite Autobot. Uh, the fact that they give Autobots like beards with like metal hanging out and he's always got a, a missile in his mouth as he's smoking up. Mm-hmm. Uh and also, he just kind of keeps dropping them, like, because who doesn't love a good fart joke? Like, yeah, John Goodman can't do no wrong, and Hound is my favorite, my favorite Autobot. So, but I don't know if you guys have a, a favorite one in the in all these movies. Kev, go ahead. If you, have I one. love. I think Ratchet gets shortchanged by these films, and then dies sadly. Unceremoniously, yeah. Un- pretty, yeah, pretty lame. I think death for Ratchet, but I love. Ra- I'll go Ratchet. Okay. Brian, what about you? Uh, I don't know. I couldn't really tell them apart most of the time. <laughs> That's okay. Every, you can just say Optimus. It's fine. We'll just say Optimus for Brian. How about sure. that? Um, for me, I'm going to say Day Trader. Um, basically the dumbest, cam- ta- dumbest cameo in the entire series is Steve Buscemi shows up for a bit scene That's where right. he's a guy that trades Transformer parts with, or uh, I, yeah, with other people. That's, that's all I'll say. It's, it's a funny moment. And they just, if you had put uh the two characters of day trader and danny's character who i am blanking on the name of hound yes if you put them side by side on screen you would not be able to tell them apart which is why i'm (laughs) glad that he didn't stick around but it is a funny moment um in the movies even though that movie sucks so anyways i guess we're we're gonna wrap up here i'm so exhausted um but i really appreciate you guys walking through all this with me kev for the folks at home who want to check out more of what you're talking about with movies i promise it's it's a much more organized show i think um on your end where can people find the austin danger podcast and what are you and Mackenzie up to these days i don't know about that um yeah you can find me on letterbox.com slash kev kev that's probably the best place at this point Austin Danger podcast comes out Mondays. Our Haunting in Venice episode is available now. Again, next week, I'm not going to spoil the wheel spin, but it's a very spooky movie from uh, this century. So very excited. I also want to say Skybound, uh, Sean Minkowitz, uh, Robert Kirkman, if you're listening, I have a Cogman miniseries pitch for you. I'm not going to give it away for free, but I have a great six-issue Cogman. You want to put him in Void Rivals for three months as a launch pad? We can negotiate. I'm here for it. 
<laughs> Amazing. <laughs> um, cool. Well, uh, to wrap up here, um, as always, you can find us on the internet. Uh, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash IRCB podcast, as well as on our Instagram um, at IRCB podcast, as well as t- TikTok. We've got a Discord where you can have more conversations with us and talk more about Transformers and other things with us. We've got our Goodreads. We've got our YouTube channel that's run by our good friend Danny that's here. As always, uh, Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all of our music. Xander traveled through time through the center of the black hole and survived. I want to say thank you to Brian and Danny and Paul for being here. I'm all out of sorts. Next week's episode, if you're listening this late in the credits, it's going to be me and Kara and Kate talking about Transformers comic. And we're going to see. We might be getting some Daniel Warren Johnson comic access. We'll see about that. Um, But until next time, comics are good and so are you. (laughs) 